My name is Vicki. Good to see you guys this morning. Uh, when I was growing up, I was part of this very elite um, group of girls who were part of this girls' chorus. And, you know, we would practice twice a week, and um, we would do performances in um, huge symphony halls around the city in San Francisco. Um, and um, it was a big deal. Like, we had uniforms and everything. Um, and it was my life, you know, like from fourth grade on. And every summer, uh, we would be together at a two-week summer camp where you would sing for like eight to ten hours. We were like small, you know, and prepare and learn um, different languages that we were going to be singing that year and, you know, and build these friendships that we were um, singing together uh, with all these girls that we were singing together with. Um, and so... I had my group of friends in this, this girls' chorus that we would, like, go from level to level together, and we would be section leaders together, and we would work together. I mean, we sing together. I mean, is there a better community than people who sing together, you know? So anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, so one of my best friends was Jennifer, and um, she and some other girls, we all uh, moved to the top echelon of the um, San Francisco Girls Chorus Group, and we were so excited. We were going to meet some new people. We were going to, like, you know, be amazing together. And um, one of the exercises that they did during summer camp was um, you could write a card to somebody, and um, you could put it on that wall of cards, you know? And so I, being the junior high girl that I was, thought I would write a note to Jennifer and I thought it would be funny to say, hey, you're a great friend, but not good enough. I know no one thinks that's funny because you guys are like, wow, that's like the worst sense of humor. So I both had a very bad sense of humor and also had unfiltered words, right? Like, so, you know, I know now that, like, that's not something you say. But I didn't know that then, and I didn't check it with anybody. So I thought, yeah, let's hang it on the wall, you know? So Jennifer gets the card. She's crying. She goes and tells her section leader, and all her friends go around her, and they're like, who is this girl, Vicky, who just said this really mean thing? And I'm like, that was not my intention. It was supposed to be funny. Ha, ha, ha. You know, like, I didn't mean that. Of course you're a great friend. But she didn't want anything to do with me. She didn't want to talk to me. She didn't want to look at me. I go to my section leader, and I'm crying because I'm like, that wasn't what I meant. Like, if I could take it back, I would. But long story short, Jennifer never wanted to be my friend again. Uh, we go back after the summer to start um, our season of training, and I have no friends in the group. Something that has been a huge part of me growing up has now become this very unfriendly, very hostile place. And so I end up dropping out, and that was my eighth grade year. And I never told my parents why I decided that I didn't want to do it anymore or finish, but that was the reason why. And it's a little heartbreaking. And, you know, um, now you get a glimpse of, like, you know, me as a junior high girl, and you're like, oh, my gosh, please let my junior high girl not be like you. Um, but also that I've learned a lot about, you know, um, humor, <laughs> for one. And I've also learned a lot about, oh, what should I say, should I not say? But still, that says a lot about who I am, 
okay? So very vulnerable moments, you know, feel bad for me. Um, we are in the book of James, and we are, um, you know, I love James because he just, like, gets right to it. He, he, like, doesn't hold back his punches. He says it like it is, and we are now looking at James 3, 1 through 12. So if you have your Bible app with me or your Bibles, you can turn with me there. Um, we will also have the passage up top. All right. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. Great. For you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if any does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Now, James 3 starts with a warning to teachers, which is so apropos as I'm prepping, right? Because there is such a privilege of standing up here using my words um, to speak to you, right? Like, I have the privilege of your trust, or maybe you're still trying to figure out whether or not you want to trust me after my story. Um, And I take the honor with humility, because I'm not up here because I'm perfect or because I'm better at, you know, words, obviously, right? Um, That honor holds me accountable to point you to Jesus and to God's word because he has life. He's the fountain of life instead of me and my life and the shining example that I am, right? Like, and of course, my hope is that the illustrations will help you understand and relate to God's word and know that you're not alone in this journey. But at the same time, I am accountable to God's word and I am accountable to you. So I kind of hold me standing up here very seriously with a level of gravity, right? And James reminds us of that, not to take my words lightly, because words matter. And that's the theme of this whole passage, right? It's the power of words. We see in the first illustration two large, powerful beings, horses and and ships, right? They're able to um, move in a powerful um, way, and yet they're, uh, they're controlled by these very small things, right? Bits and rudders. And these small things are able to control their whole direction. And it says that your tongue is one of the smallest parts of your body, but yet it changes the direction of your heart and your soul. So when I am thinking of something that I feel grateful for, it makes me grateful. But when I'm actually able to say that aloud and to other people, it actually amplifies my gratitude. 
It's just there's something that happens when we actually put words to it and speak it. And it actually allows other people to grow in their gratitude as well, right? It changes the direction of me and my heart, but it also changes the direction of people around me. And if I feel kind of annoyed about something, I find that the more I vent, the more bitter and frustrated I feel, right? Usually I'm not like, I just need to let some steam out. And then at the end, I'm like, I feel really great about this situation. No, usually what happens for me is when I vent and I speak those words out loud, I actually get more frustrated and my heart and my soul get more bitter, right? And then I also change the course of whoever's listening as well, right? So our words have this interesting way of moving the direction of our hearts and our souls. It is powerful, right? Something that we speak into life actually moves our actions eventually. And then the second illustration is looking at how a great forest can be consumed by a small spark. And we unfortunately know the power of that, right? That intentionally or unintentionally, a firework that's thrown into a vast you know, forest is going to catch on fire. And the devastation and the, the destruction of that is going to be way greater than what he intended. And I can promise you that that kid could have taken it back if he could have. You know, if he could have just taken that firework and said, I'm just kidding, I didn't mean to do that, and undo the damage that he did, he would do that, right? But unfortunately, something small that happens, the, the fixing is going to take way more than the simple act of throwing a firework into a forest, right? And so we know that the tongue can be a reckless evil full of deadly poison. I mean, he actually goes really deep into it, right? He's like, man, the tongue, it's messed up, you know? And when we think about it, we can all think of a time when someone said something that hurt us, that changed how we saw ourselves and what we were capable of, whether or not that was when you were young or when you were in a job and someone said something to you, you know, it stuck, right? It creates a lot of destruction. And to fix it, is not just simply that person saying, oh, I was just kidding. Oh, I didn't really mean that. I take that back, you know. The work to fix what happens to our hearts and our souls and what we believe about ourselves, it sometimes takes years to undo what someone said in one sentence, right? The tongue is a place of reckless evil full of deadly poison. Words matter, right? A proclamation of a child's character can crush him. Rumors can destroy a reputation. Gossip can tank a community of trust, right? Words matter. And before we all decide we're going to take an oath of silence for the rest of our lives, James actually says, and yet your tongue is capable of blessing. Blessing God the Father, right? As it is also capable of cursing. It is capable of both those things, right? Now, um, he says, it's, it's unnatural. It's unnatural for a spring to actually have salt water and fresh water or for a grapevine to produce figs, just like it is unnatural for your mouth to produce both blessing and cursing, right? And yet, I will say, it feels very natural for me to both bless and curse. How about you, right? I, I don't necessarily feel like, oh, this feels unnatural right now. Now, before I go more to talk about what does that mean, cursing or blessing, 
um, I wanted to just talk briefly about cursing. I grew up in the church, um, and I grew up that it was not okay to swear because the Bible said so, so there were a lot of hecks and darns. Um, and I was pretty legalistic about it too, right? I called people out on it, eh, you know, what did you say? Um, but at the same time, I would say things about, oh, that guy in our youth group that smells, right? Or I would, you know, talk with my girlfriends about, like, that girl that, like, what is she wearing, you know? And honestly, I don't think I ever l- looked at my actions and what came out of my mouth and thought, oh, yeah, God cares a lot more that I didn't say damn than me talking bad about one of his creation, one of his kids. It never dawned on me that, like, oh, there's, there's something weird about that logic. And honestly, I think it is much harder um, to not say something bad about someone than to not cuss. I think it's much easier to just not swear than to not say something bad about someone, to not speak ill of someone, curse them in some way. Now, back in the Old Testament, let's try and understand what cursing meant in their context, right? Um, it was actually pretty normal. There was an understanding that if somebody was against what God was doing or against God's people, that you could speak a curse over them, that you would wish ill upon them and the destruction over them or their family or their nation of people. And it wasn't like, oh, and then it would happen. God would grant it to happen, but you were able to speak that, right? Just like, um, uh, so there, there were just um, times where Jeremiah would ask God, to bring destruction and um, doom upon those who were coming after Israel, right? Um, In Luke 9, James and John, upon experiencing, like, um, some guy who's talking bad about Jesus' ministry, James and John are like, Jesus, should we call fire from heaven to, like, blast these guys? Jesus rebukes them. (laughs) But in Romans 12, it says, bless and do not curse, right? It changes the idea of, what we use our mouths for and what is normal and what we are capable of. And in blessing, we see that also all over the Old Testament, right? That like Jacob would um, lie to steal Esau's blessing, right, over his, his dying father, right? That there was blessing that was spoken and sung over um, the babies that were being born and at, during their baptism. Um, in our day, right, like when Birch and I got married, part of our wedding ceremony was a tea ceremony where we would gather all the elders in our community and we would set, give them cups of tea and we would kneel before them and they would give us blessing, both verbal blessing and also a red envelope to signify their blessing over us as a start of our relationship, right? Speaking blessing, speaking um, good and their desire for wellness and prosperity over you, right? And speaking what is true or what you long to be true in that person's life. And then cursing is always understood in opposition to blessing. So it is a speaking of ill and speaking of doom or destruction or bad things over that person or calling out what you believe is that person's character. So maybe you're not like, I hope you get into a car accident, but you might be like, you're just lazy. You're not going to be worth anything, right? You're just going to work at McDonald's for the rest of your life. You're not ever going to marry anyone because you're just broken, right? So those are not necessarily wishing bad things on people, but you're proclaiming something of their character and what you believe is true of them, and you're stating it as kind of like a final like nail on the coffin. 
And whether or not that person hears it from, from you or, or believes you or that actually comes into fruition, um, that's what James is talking about. At the heart of blessing and cursing is what we speak over people and what we believe they are. Okay? Our words matter because they can change the direction of our hearts and our souls just like ships. But in addition, they can start great fires and poison whole wells, breaking whole families, whole communities of people. And I have always been good with words, not like life-building words, but I've always been able to know this is the right word that I am going to use. I am sharp and I'm exacting. And it was unfiltered, unchecked, and dangerous. I could use one word to tear someone down, to demean them, to make them step back, right? I could use my words if I felt defensive or cornered to lash out, and that person would move back or feel crushed by me, right? It is a superpower that has its issues, obviously, right, and has, has a need to be tamed in a lot of ways. I had a friend who was amazing with his words, right, like one of the best speakers I have ever uh, watched in, in action, and he said, but how I would use that to slander my parents and tear them down, it was atrocious. And so he prayed that God would take away his eloquence and his ability to do that. And so he found that he could not, he never had a comeback for whatever his parents were saying, you know. And it was God's grace to him because the amount of destruction that he was creating with his words was just deadly, right? Um, and I think, you know, there are times where I feel like, oh, I'm just being honest. I'm just being real, right? But I would see the results of my words right? In my self-protection, in my anger, in my defensiveness, the things that I said to my parents, to my siblings, to my husband, to my community around me, and the destruction that laid there, right? Perhaps you might understand that yourself. And I think I wish I was what James calls us to be in chapter one. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. There's, an, uh, there's a saying that says, don't say, anything ni- don't say anything if you don't have anything nice to say, right? And maybe you're like, okay, that's the point of this talk. Don't say anything if you don't have anything nice to say. And I think that's, that's helpful. That's true, you know? But my tension with it is, where is there space for truth or honesty or realness, right? We're just going to go around just blessing everybody, speaking nice things to people. Oh, isn't that so nice? You know, like, we'll just keep our truth to ourselves. I'll just keep to myself what I really think about you. You know, is that, is that what we're talking about here? You know, I think that that's a community where you're like, oh, if we go by, don't say anything unless there's anything nice, unless you have something nice to say. I think we might all be wondering, is there something else that you want to say to me that you're not saying? you would question the authenticity and the depth of that relationship, wouldn't you? I would. And yeah, at the same time, I'm like, please don't come to me and curse me. Please don't come to me and tear me down. <laughs> like, please don't come to me and just blast me with all the things that I am doing wrong. I think blessing is much more than just saying nice things, right? Blessing is speaking truth in love, right? It is longing for the things that are good, and prosperous in that person's life. And sometimes that doesn't mean just nice things about them. 
I was, um, a number of years ago, I was in a position where I had to fire someone. And um, uh, this, and the reason why was because he wasn't good at his job, right? Like, that's the main reason why you fired someone. And he wanted to be good at his job, right? Um, but all his gifts and all his talents and all his passions were a very fringe part of the job. The main part of his job, it dealt with his weak hands, and he wasn't very good at it, and he, he the results were very clear, right? Um, and we tried a bunch of different things, but it just didn't work out. Clearly, he was not doing his job well. And, you know, honestly, when someone gets fired, you're like, that's just a curse. How can you get fired and not feel bad about yourself and not feel like, oh, I'm a loser, or I'm not valuable, or man, you know, like, I must suck. You know, like that, there's just a natural sense of that when you get fired, right? And yet, I, I was like, I don't want this person leaving feeling bad, right? I don't want this person leaving feeling cursed, feeling like they weren't valuable, feeling like they were a loser, because that is not why they're getting fired, you know? I want to bless them so they would feel blessed and feel honored and feel still cared for and seen and important, you know? So I was just thinking about how do I bless this person in a society that says when you get fired, you're being cursed, right? When you're fired, you mean nothing, right? And so I just said to him, I was like, you have amazing gifts and talents, and you clearly have a passion for these things, and that is, you're clearly not flourishing in this role. You're not flourishing in this job, right? I think you and I can both agree on that, and it is so hard to have to work in your weak hands all day long and not feel like it's producing what you want to produce. And so I just want to give you the freedom to do what you are good at <laughs> because I believe that's where you will flourish, where you will enjoy life, where you will experience like joy again. And I want that for you. And we ended that job for him in a much better way. But it took so much work and it took so much prayer, and it took so much wisdom from God to know, how do I do this well? How do I honor this person in the way that I want to honor that person? How do I check my words before I say it, right? Because this is a person's heart in my hands. And, you know, some of you who are employers who supervise other people, you have people's hearts in your hands every day. And I know you don't always feel that, right? But sometimes our words or our lack of words, it can crush people. It has power. Similarly, if you are parents, you know, right? Your kids look up to you. And when you say something, it can crush them in a moment, right? If you're an educator, you know, my son, next to God, his kindergarten teacher is sitting on his right hand, right? Whatever his kindergarten teacher says, that is the law, right? That is the truth. And if she's not happy about something, oh, man, his day is wrecked, right? If she's not happy about something that he did, he is wrecked. So educators, teachers, man, you hold these hearts in your hands, right? Our words matter. Parents, our little kids, you know, their hearts and their friends, it matters. And I wish I could tell you it is all edification and love in my household, 24-7. But when I get frustrated and I'm trying to discipline my kid and I see that he's not sorry for what he did, 
I end up saying some things that curse them instead of blessing them. This week, I don't have to dig very deep to give an example. My son got disciplined at school, and I had to talk to the teacher. And that is my absolute worst thing. Like, that sends me spiraling to a place that is very deep and dark, okay? Because it is about me, right? I feel shame when I have to sit at the teacher, right? Like, after all these years, it's like I'm at the principal's office all over again, right? And it's, and I feel frustrated at him for not doing what I think all the other kids are doing. What is wrong with you that you can't do that? Why can't you just control your hands, you know? Um, and what I said to him was, if you do not control your impulses, you could end up in jail. <laughs> because I wanted him to have some fear. I wanted him to take seriously what he did, right? And then I was like, that's a curse. I just cursed my son, right? And I, I was like, I didn't have to take it all the way over there. You know, like I could have <laughs> created more like gravity to the situation without going all the way over there. And yet it takes time. It takes work to figure out how will I say this? How do I do this to make an impact and tell you I don't ever want to see you do that again and yet not crush you, not proclaim over you that you will be a criminal, right? It's hard. And thank God that James says, pray for wisdom, and God will give it graciously. Pray for wisdom. Because you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. It's not like I was suddenly granted, like, this mantle of wisdom when I had kids, you know? Like, I don't know how to handle these situations. And yet, James says, pray for wisdom. Because you will not know what to say, and you will crush people, right? In every situation in our lives. And let me just say something real quick. There are some of you that are great at not using your words very often. You are better at being silent. And there are times where it keeps you out of trouble. Praise the Lord. I wish I had more silence in my life. And yet, it also stops you from blessing. It stops you from trouble. It keeps you out of trouble, but it also stops you from blessing. So I don't think that necessarily silence means, oh, that's saintly. That's the thing to do. Because there are moments where words matter and we have to use them, right? Imagine a friend that you haven't reached out to, that you haven't texted, you haven't checked in with. And you're like, now it's awkward because we've now let so much time pass that if I just text and said, hey, I'm just checking in to see how you're doing, they'll be like, this is out of the blue. This is weird, you know? And so you're like, I'm just going to let it lie, <laughs> just pretend nothing <laughs> happened, <laughs> you know? And I'll just let silence fill the void. And yet, can you imagine how the person might interpret your silence after so much time, right? So silence isn't always the best thing. So how about we all work on this together this week? How about we all work on our words this week together? I have a number of ideas of how we can do this. And we are all going to try something, right? Um, so all of us have parents or someone that we look up to, that mentor us, that watch out for us. Maybe we should call our parents that come this week or that person that mentors us. Not because we need something, not because we're checking in on something, but just because we want to call them and we just want to say, hey, 
I appreciate you for who you are and what you're doing. I just wanted to let you know that. What if we just did that conversion too? If you are an employer or you work in a group of people and you actually interact with them in some capacity, what if this week you just think about what is one way that I can bless with my words this week? Say to somebody, hey, I really appreciate you doing that. Or, wow, you're really good at this. I really, um, I learn a lot from you as I watch you do this. What if we just said something like that? And maybe it's someone that you're like, they know, they rock, you know, in this job. But it never, no one's ever been like, too much praise. You know, like, it never hurts to give more compliments and say, hey, I know you know this already, but I really value you on my team. So helpful, right? There's some of us who need to learn how to use our words to build up our friends. And some of you guys are great at that, and maybe there's a friend that you're like, I just kind of let that relationship slip. You know, maybe you get to write a card. Maybe you just get to send a text and be like, what's been on my mind? I'm thinking about you. How are you? I'm sorry I've been kind of MIA, you know, but I really care about our friendship. Would anyone complain about that? Would any of your friends be like, forget it, it's over? And if it is over, you know, at least you tried. But I think most people love hearing that, you know, like even if it's now in an awkward, like, field, in an awkward season, right? Parents, what if we just spoke a different narrative over our kids? I remember the story of the, the book The Help or the movie The Help, right? Um, where there was a child who didn't act the way that her mom wanted her to or didn't look the way her mom wanted to, and she was constantly ignored and cast aside by her mom. And her nanny always spoke over her three things. You are smart, you are kind, you are important. And despite everything that she's seeing and experiencing from everybody else, those three words declare a blessing over her and remind her of who she really is. Even though she was two, right? Like, how, how smart or kind or important is she? But that was speaking her into the reality of who she was supposed to be, right? And I think we need to do that with our kids to remind them who they really are. Remind them of who God has called them to be, even if we see that 90% of the time they are not that, right? But that we get to speak blessing over them. What if we did that this week? And wives, what if your husbands come home and our first thing is not, these are the things that you need to do. Or I'm upset that you did not do this. <laughs> uh, I am just sharing personally. I'm sure none of you guys do this, right? And that those are the words that first come out instead of, hey, welcome home. These, I really appreciate this. Birch, I am so grateful that you are so resourceful. Because I get to reap the benefits of that every single day. And I don't say that enough to you. What if that is something that we said every day instead? You know, and honestly, knowing my husband, he doesn't mind hearing the same thing every single day. I don't even need to be creative. He's like, the same thing? I still like it the seventh time all week, you know? And husbands, what if you came home and instead of just going straight to what you're supposed to do, what if you just stopped for a moment and told your wife that she's beautiful? You look really beautiful today. Or, man, this meal was delicious. Thank you. 
What if you showed appreciation in a way that you think, of course she feels appreciated. She's been at home all day with kids who are so appreciative, right? So why would she be feeling floods of love on her? You sometimes might be the only voice that gets to say, I see you, I appreciate you, you matter to me. And that doesn't take that much from a husband, but sometimes we don't remember because we just assume, oh, she knows that already. How would your relationships change if we used our words to bless? So I want all of us to just pick one thing, right? So I listed out a bunch of different things. I know there's something for everybody, right? Maybe for you, you're like, I can't relate to like four of those things, but let there be one thing. And maybe there's something that I did not list. You can go ahead and but can you just think of one thing that you're going to work on this week? All right? So I'm just going to give us a moment. Think about that. Put it in your phone as a reminder. Right? Maybe for you, if you're coming home at a certain time, you're like, I'll set that reminder so I'll, or, or a reminder before I leave the house, this is what I'm going to say to my kids. Or, you know, like, hey, tomorrow during my lunch break, I'm going to send this email to my friends. Whatever. But just take a moment to decide, what am I going to do, and when am I going to do it, okay? Let's just be real. James is real. He's like, nobody can tame the tongue. Nobody. You know, whoever can tame the tongue, he is a perfect man. Even teachers are not fully able to tame the tongue. So this is something that we all get to work on together because none of us are awesome at this, okay? Um, but we all get to help each other in this, right? Um, this morning, we get a chance to come to the table and take communion to remember Jesus' um, sacrifice for us as he died on the cross, um, we get to take the bread and dip it in the juice and remember that he made a way when there was no way. When we pray for wisdom, we get rescued from ourselves every single time. When Jesus gives us the self-control to not say something that could crush someone, that is experiencing the cross. And as we gain healing, from the things that were said to us, and we say, no, but Jesus says that we are something different. And I will not hold that to my death, believing that. Because Jesus died for that. That's what we get to celebrate. Redemption, forgiveness, freedom, rescue. And so when you come up this morning, would you just celebrate that? And know that, yeah, I'm not perfect. I'm not amazing with my words. But Jesus is going to help me with it, and there's hope. Okay? Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you so much that you send James to come and tell us like it is about our words and the destruction of our words, and also that you provide hope, that you say, pray for wisdom and I will give it gladly to you, that I am, I am the fountain of blessing, right, that um, you help give us 
self-control over our words, and you are able to tame what we ourselves cannot tame. 